As we enter into the new year, many will take stock of their lives and see a chance for a fresh start or maybe as an opportunity to tidy certain aspects of it up a bit. But how often do we realize the need to do this for our spiritual lives as well? Welcome to A Walk in the Word, where we bring you the Sunday sermons from Providence Baptist Church Gaston's worship services. In this week's sermon, Pastor John Friedrich points out three different actions that will allow us to do just that. Let's join in as Pastor Friedrich preaches a message entitled, Spring Cleaning, from Philippians chapter 4. All right, well, it's good to be in the Lord's house with you guys this morning as we open up God's Word and see what He has to say to us. And as I said, we're going to be in Philippians 4, and we're going to read verses 6 through 7 this morning, 6 and 7. I be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come before your throne once again this morning, we are truly a blessed people, Lord, to be able to come to your house, to to lift your name in praise and worship, to uh, sing the songs that... Uh, bring us closer to you, Lord, to hear your word taught, to hear your word preached, uh, just to be around fellow believers, Lord. It is truly a, an honor and a blessing to have the privilege of doing so, Lord. We thank you for that. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for the unconditional love that you show us. You are truly an awesome and mighty God and worthy of all praise and honor. And Lord, now as we get ready to, to hear from your word, Lord, we just ask that you help us to open our hearts and minds and Help us to open them up in such a way that your heart, or the, your word will be planted into our hearts, uh, that we will have that uh, seed grow within us, Lord, and that it would bear fruit in our lives in such a way that it brings glory and honor to you. And Lord, I know I'm not worthy to be the one to present the word to those that are here today. I just ask that you uh, take away anything that can in any way interfere with the message, Lord, the pride, distraction, uh, Lord, whatever it might be. Uh, Lord, just take it all away. Empty me. Make me your vessel. Fill me with your spirit, Lord, that I might only say the words that you've laid upon my heart. And nothing that I say or do would be of my own doing, Lord. And Lord, as a church, help us to continue to move and strive forward. Let us always be focused on you. Uh, Let our purposes always be based on what you would have us to do rather than what we want, Lord. Hope. Help us to never become an inwardly focused church, Lord. Let us always be outwardly focused that we're focused on those that are in need in the community around us, Lord, whether those needs be physical or spiritual. And Lord, as individuals in our homes, in our churches, in our uh, in our workplaces, in our schools, in our communities, whatever, wherever we might be, Lord, help us always to see the need, this, particularly the spiritual need that exists all around us in this dark and dying world that we live in. And Lord, forgive us of our sins, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, we're uh, in a brand new year this year. Happy New Year to everybody. I hope everybody uh, uh, had a good 2022 and uh, looking forward to a, a good 2023. Um, but a lot of people use this time of the year to kind of take stock of where they are in life. They kind of use it to do what they call resolutions. Um, they may make promises to themselves to change how they do this, to change how they do that. Or they may decide to stop doing this or start doing that. Um, And there's a lot of things that they kind of take stock of. It's almost like uh, a spring cleaning of sort. 
that occurs during this time. Uh, they see the new year as kind of a new start, a new beginning, and in as much uh, they see it as kind of a time to re, re, restart themselves in a, in a, in a way. Um, uh, but we oftentimes take a look around and we, we might even do the same thing with our homes. You know, we've heard the term spring cleaning that often refers to homes, but sometimes we do it with ourselves, sometimes we do it with our homes. Um, but the question is, is have we ever taken stock of where we are spiritually in doing that? You know, a lot of times we look at our weight, we look at our health, we look at our fitness, we look at this, we look at that, and we see and recognize the areas of our lives that we need to improve upon. Maybe we need to eat better, maybe we need to exercise more, maybe we need to stay away from uh, these activities that we know that uh, aren't healthy for our bodies. or um, but have we taken a look at our spiritual life? Have we taken a look at where we are spiritually when we take into consideration the things in our lives that might need changing, that might need improving? Okay? Now you might be saying, well, <laughs> preacher, I'm here at church, right? I've come to church, so obviously I'm doing something right. I'm at, maybe I'm even active in God's work in some way, shape, or form. I'm doing okay. Well, while those things might be true, and those are certainly positives, we've got to consider the influence of evil and sin in our lives, in the different areas of our lives. Um, because typically these things, the influences and the degradations that we see as a, as a result of those things aren't something that happens suddenly. They are typically things that happen very gradually, very quietly, very methodically. And just as we notice when things are becoming cluttered or we're not living so good so that we're not feeling so well and our health isn't that great um, and, and we are in need of cleaning up of our lives in a physical sense, we need to be discerning. We need to have the kind of physical or spiritual discernment in our lives to determine when those very same kinds of things need to occur spiritually in our lives. When we need to take stock and recognize, oh man, I'm, I'm, I've been slipping in this area. Or maybe I've not done so good in this area of my life spiritually. Maybe my walk with God isn't where it used to be or where it should be. Maybe my relationship with Him isn't as strong as it was at one time. One thing we've got to consider though, we may be doing, we may be going through the motions, we might be doing things within the church, we might be attending church, might even be picking up our Bible from time to time and reading. None of us, myself included, none of us are above the influence of worldly factors. We've got to remember, we are naturally bent towards rebellion and sin. We have that within us ourselves already. And because of that, any influence, no matter how subtle, can cause us to stumble from time to time. And of course, the more we allow those things to influence us, the more we inundate ourselves with it, the more we expose ourselves to those things, the more they are going to affect our spiritual walk. And because of that, it becomes harder as that happens. It becomes harder and harder and harder for us to realize how much it's impacting us how much it's influencing us, how much it's infecting our spiritual life, and thus how much we need to remove it from our lives. Now, it's a dangerous path to walk when we walk around saying, well, I'm pretty strong spiritually. 
I hope none of us gets into a position where we believe that we are so strong spiritually, that we are such a, a super saint, so to speak, that the world can't be touching us. The world can't influence us. The world can't get its beliefs, get its uh, uh, the, the, the thinking and everything else into us in some way, shape, or form. Don't ever think you're above that. Because as a sinful human being, you are always susceptible to that in some way. And before you think, well, it, I'm not worried about it because I'm not a big enough deal for Satan to really come after. I don't have enough of an impact. You know, I'm just a small guy. I'm just a small girl. I don't have that much of an influence, so surely I'm just going to kind of blend into the woodwork and, and Satan's not going to come messing with me. Don't fool yourself into thinking that. You know, you got to remember the, the Bible gives us a description of Satan. It describes Satan as a roaring lion, roaring lion roaming the earth, seeking whom he can devour. They didn't say he was going around looking for all the, the heavyweights in the Christian communities. He's looking for anybody. Anybody that he can call a prey. <clears throat> And the thing to remember is that every single day, from the time we wake up to the time we close our eyes at night, we are absolutely inundated with worldly influences. To some extent, and there's really no way to avoid it. Everywhere we look, everywhere we go, it's, it, we're just being pummeled by these things. Even if, from billboards along the sides of the highway, to, to TV commercials, to, to TV shows, to what we hear on the radio. to I mean, just everywhere we turn, it's there. And as long as we live in this world, as long as we exist in this world, that's going to be the case. There's no getting around that. We're going to be subject to the worldly influences that exist around us. But what we can control, we can control how much we are exposed to certain aspects of that. We can control how much we allow ourselves to be exposed to a lot of it. But it requires us to take stock of who we spend time with, it requires us to take a look at what are we doing with our times, our time. It requires us to take a good hard look at what are we listening to? What are we watching? Is this stuff really harmless? Or is this stuff pulling us further from God? And we've got to be honest. It's got to be a brutally honest evaluation. It's easy to kind of brush it aside and saying, well, that's, I, I, I don't let it impact me. I don't let it influence me. Or it's not that big of a deal. It's real easy to think that way. So when we look at these things, when we take stock of these things in our lives, we have got to be brutally honest. A very simple question is, does this bring me closer to God? Or does this put a wedge between me and God? Be prayerful about it. Be humble about it. Don't be so arrogant to think that you, you can keep that 
that separation between what you're listening to or what you're watching and your spiritual life. Don't be so prideful as to say, well, I, I know, I can, I, can, I can listen to this or I can watch this and it won't affect me. Be willing to admit when we have allowed these influences to creep into our lives. Don't think that you've got nothing to worry about because you do. We all do. Every one of us. I see it in others and I catch myself from time, myself from time to time. So as we begin this morning, we're going to explore the ways we need to kind of make it this approach, okay? We've talked about the, the general concepts, but this morning what I want to talk about is the approach that we want to take to, to do our, quote, spiritual spring cleaning. All right, and I want each of us to be very humbly in prayer, prayerfully seek God's revelation in this in our each of our own lives. Ask Him as we go through these things, God, show me if there's anything in my life today, anything that I need to sweep up and throw away and get rid of. Admit that it's possible in our life and ask God for clarity. All right, the first thing that we want to do is what I'm going to call food for thought. And this is probably the most overlooked area of our lives when it comes to ungodly influences because it involves some of the most common exposures, and I've already touched on a lot of these. The music, the TV, movies, what are you reading, internet. You know, in the world today, electronic media has become an almost 24-hour-a-day influence in our lives. Everywhere we go, we can pick up an electronic device and have access to an almost unlimited amount of media. News, reading, music, movies, video clips. We watch TV and view the internet much of the time in our homes and sometimes even in some cases at our work quite a bit. We have got screens everywhere we look. I use several screens to, to do our streaming, to do our presentation, so they can be a good thing. But they can also be a distraction and a detriment. There's all kinds of media available to us at the click of a click of a mouse, a touch of a touchpad. Many today or sitting here today or listening on this podcast or or viewing our live stream have within their pocket a computer powerful enough to provide with them with pretty much anything, any media that they want in their cell phones. No matter where they are, they can surf the web, they can listen to music, they can watch a movie, watch a TV show, more. And we are taking all of this in at an alarming rate. We are spending a time in front of screens and soaking all of this in at an alarming rate. A New York Times report reported several years ago, and this is several years ago, mind you, a study that indicated on average 
An American was consuming over eight hours of screen time a day. Eight hours that we are spending in front of a screen. What are we watching? What are we looking at? What are we listening to? What is it that is consuming our time and that we're soaking our brains with, literally? Now, this does conclude time at work, that you're actually working on a computer. But for a lot of people that doesn't, that have jobs that don't involve computers. And that doesn't include just the audio stuff, the stuff when we're just putting uh, air, uh, the earbuds or earphones in our ears and just listening to stuff. That's eight hours outside of any music we might be listening to or audio books or, or our podcasts. That's an enormous amount of our time that we are bathing our senses in what? What are we bathing our senses in? Only you can answer that question. What are you soaking your brain with? What are you filling your ears, your eyes with? But it's an absolutely critical question we've got to ask ourselves. And I know I've discussed this before, but let's dive a little deeper into it. Now, we've got to be careful because we might say, well, I only listen to Christian this. I only listen to Christian that. And we, this is where we really have to use our spiritual discernment. Because today, we've got to be careful about just accepting the label Christian put on something. There's a lot of things that are labeled Christian that I would beg to differ with, whether or not they really are. Just because it's got the label Christian on it doesn't make it Christian. Measure it against the Word of God. Measure it against the kinds of thinking that if you, Jesus was right next to you, would you have a problem listening to it? Would you have a problem looking at it? I think that's a pretty good gauge. In our world today, we've got to be very discerning on something that calls itself Christian. Don't take somebody's word for it. Check it out for yourself, okay? Secondly, I understand, yes, there is non-Christian content out there that is completely harmless. It's in large part, we must be constantly discerning about this part of our life. We know that the influence that various aspects of these things have can, in fact, affect our behaviors. They will influence how we start to respond, how we start to behave. If we have a propensity towards using certain bad language, should we be listening to stuff with bad language? Should we be listening to it even if we don't? If we have a weakness for looking at things on the internet, we shouldn't. Should we be spending a lot of time on the internet? Unsupervised, without some kind of accountability? Probably not. Spiritual discernment and honesty with yourself is what is absolutely key here. It's very important to know what are our weaknesses. And that gives us a leg up because then that tells us 
Well, if these are our weaknesses, then we know these are areas we probably don't even need to venture down. We've got to remember, it doesn't take much to get us to down the road to sin. With our natural propensity to sin, we are going to be drawn in easier than we would like. Remember Paul's words to the church of Galatia when he said in Galatians 5.9, he said, A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. It only takes a little bit. And our whole spiritual life is impacted. Now you might say, well, I may not have a propensity towards that particular sin. I, I can watch this stuff and not let it affect me. Where's the danger in that? Well, the danger in that is you become desensitized to it. You become almost to the point, eventually, of accepting it. Things that repulsed us, things that kind of made us reel back a little bit when we first heard it. Taking the Lord's name in vain. Exposure to clearly sinful behaviors that the world's trying to push as acceptable. Those kinds of things we cannot allow ourselves to become desensitized to. Those kinds of things should always impact us, make us respond. But the more we allow ourselves to say, well, that's no big deal, it's okay. The more we become desensitized to it and the less we will rebel against it. The less we will say something about it. And to the point where we may even seek it out ourselves. And to find your place, find yourself in a place where sin doesn't bother you, you're in a world of trouble then. When we get to a place where we don't feel convicted for sins that we commit, we've got a big, big problem. Alright, the second area I want was what I'm going to call inside our sphere of influence. By what I'm by this term, what I'm referring to here is the is where we are influenced by those that we surround ourselves with, the people that we, we spend time with, our friends, the people that we choose to spend our time with. Now, a lot of people are misled by the belief that the people that they hang around with can't really impact who they are, what they act, how they act, that kind of thing. But I've got to remind everybody, once again, we have a natural propensity towards rebellion. Think about it for, for a second. We've talked this, about this before. What is the first word that a child typically learns? No. It is a natural rebellion within us because of our sin natures. It starts early and never really grows out of us entirely. Face it, we don't like somebody telling us what to do. Even God sometimes. Submitting to God's leadership is hard for us. And we see all throughout Scripture the very same behaviors in people and characters that God shows us in His Word. Remember in Numbers chapter 16 how Korah influenced 250 Israelite men to reject, outright reject the authority of God had given to Moses and Aaron? It didn't take much to get them there either. 
Clearly, Moses and Aaron were the mouthpiece of God, and yet Korah was, allowed, was able to talk 250 men into just rejecting them outright. Our sinful natures predispose us to rebellion. Eve's another classic example of how easily enticed we are to disobey God. Casting aside commands of God with just a little prompting, just a little convincing, just a little influence. And there are several reasons that motivate us to listen and perhaps even acknowledge these behaviors. It might be that we want somebody's approval. We like somebody who's going to make us feel good about ourselves. We want their approval. We want accolades. We want kudos. We want others' respect. We need acceptance or association. We all crave endorsements we feel that give us some sort of worth. Even if the reasons we company with those who can potentially influence us are not necessarily driven by these factors, we've got to be cognizant of something else that the Scriptures teach us. In 1 Corinthians 15.33 it says, Be not deceived, evil communications corrupt good manners. Now let's dive into this wording a little bit. Let's take a deeper dive into what the Greek behind this is. Because a closer examination of this verse reveals something very important for our consideration. The Greek word evil here means bad or harmful. That's fairly straightforward. The Greek word communications means company or association. And the Greek word manners means morals or habits. So taking this information with a, from a careful word study, we'll find this verse telling us that bad company will, or associations in our lives will, not can, but will corrupt us. It will influence us. It will influence our good behaviors. We also see in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 14.7, Go from the presence of a foolish man, when thou perceivest not in him the lips of knowledge. This verse isn't just talking about somebody who's not smart, because it's using the term foolish, but rather one who knows and lives not the word of God. Once we ascertain that someone whom we have been associating with is ungodly, or worldly in their approach to life, we need to put some distance between us and them. It could be a romantic interest. It might be a, a, a good friend. I know that we may really enjoy contact with these individuals, but we need to ask ourselves a heart-level question about these circumstances. Is this relationship improving our work with, walk with God or not? Is it making it worse? And this is where we get to the proverbial gut check. Is your behavior different during the time you're in contact with them? Is your behavior different immediately after you've been around them? Or as a result of the time you've been around them? Take a good, hard, discerning look at your actions. Do you find yourself thinking more worldly or sinfully as a result of... <clears throat> The time spent talking or being with these individuals? <clears throat> Do you disobey your parents? Or more likely to disobey because of your influence? Or by, uh, as a result of you being around these individuals? Do you cut corners or slack off at work? As a result of hanging around with these individuals? These are some very serious considerations we've got to take. 
Now, I know some may be thinking at this point, Preacher, are you telling me that I'm supposed to insulate myself completely and have no contact with someone that doesn't up, live an upright and godly life? That's not what I'm saying. Perhaps our approach can be best understood by looking at Paul's advice to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians 5, 9, 9 and 10, where he says, I wrote unto you an epistle not to company with fornicators, yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world, or with the covetous, or extortioners, or with idolaters, for then must ye needs go out of the world. You see, Paul was addressing the sinful behaviors of believers within the church when he sent this letter. He wasn't just talking about non-believers, and he was instructing them also to keep their distance from those that were caught in these sinful behaviors. But he was also acknowledging that we do not shut ourselves off from these individuals entirely. Because as Paul stated, you would have to not live in this world to avoid them altogether. The thing to remember is that we are given instructions by Jesus himself to be the light of this world and to be the salt of the earth. Sharing the gospel, admonishing, uplifting, edifying. And this wouldn't be possible if we isolated ourselves from all those who exhibit these behaviors. How would you feel if somebody did the same thing to you when you started to drift away from God rather than trying to reel you back in and say, listen, you need to take a hard look at where you're living. we've got to do is be aware of those whose behaviors are such as in, that they might influence our behaviors and make us more likely to sin. Once again, this may be romantic interests, it might be friends, it might be whatever. And this might be hard because sometimes there are people who we really value what they say. We put a lot of stock in what they have to tell us. Recognize their influence and keep them at a distance such that we're not inclined to follow the behaviors. Conversely, we need to keep in mind that the opposite is true as well. That people can be a positive influence on us are the ones we should keep close. This is a big driver in the rise of the accountability groups of the 90s. There was a big push during that time to, for men particularly to be a part of an accountability group where fellow other men would call them out if they decided to, to drift or they decided to do be, uh, participate in behaviors that were ungodly. They would have friends that say, and sit them down and say, listen, we need to talk to you. Where they could admit, hey, I, I feel like something's going on and I feel like I'm drifting and they could pray for them and work with them to get them back. So they could be positive influences as well. The Bible speaks clearly of the influence of godly people can have on one another. Start, Proverbs 27, 17 is a perfect example. Iron, iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. Surround yourself with godly people. Surround yourself with godly friends. It will have a positive influence on you. So to summarize, let's once, consider once again the advice of Proverbs 13, 20. He that walketh with a wise man shall be wise, but a companion, a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Understand, recognize, and act on the knowledge that surrounding ourselves with those who would influence us to sin or compromise in our beliefs is not the best choice. And although we do not shut them out entirely, they need to be kept at a distance so as not to influence our behaviors. 
The last one, the last area I'm going to talk about today is keeping things neat and tidy, is how I'm going to put it. Now, when we take a look at things like spring cleaning and taking stock of our lives once a year at New Year's, we have to ask ourselves a question. Wouldn't it be a whole lot easier just to stay on top of this throughout the whole year? Wouldn't it be a whole lot easier to not wait until this one monumental event to try to get everything straight again, try to get everything the way it should be, try to get everything lined out at once again after nearly 12 months of, of falling away from it? Well, the same thing goes for our spiritual situation. If we keep ourselves in a position to address these things periodically throughout the whole year, where we're constantly evaluating ourselves, then it'll be much easier for us to keep up with. But in order to do so, we've got to be prepared. We've got to be equipped. Possessing the discernment to accomplish is not a guarantee. We've got to work to allow ourselves to develop and maintain the ability to detect when these influences have started to impact us. We've got to be determined to stand alert and be aware so we're not caught off guard. But what is the best way to do this? Well, we've already got the tools. Study and God's Word and prayer. We've got to bury the Word of God so deep in our minds and constantly refresh it that it never, ever gets away from us. We need to commune with God. Give Him time to speak to us, to reveal to us areas of our life that do need cleanup. And we need to ask Him to do so. Show the Lord that you're sincere about keeping yourself apart from worldly behaviors. So dedicate yourself to the study of God's Word and to prayer. That is the easiest way to keep yourself on track throughout the year so that you don't have to do this, con this huge readjustment at the beginning of the year. But what do we do when we aren't doing that? Well, we can protect ourselves then as there as well. And God gives us each the discernment to know when we drift so that our spiritual cleansing and renewal is constant, ongoing thing in our lives. And in doing so, we can become the salt and light of the earth that Jesus spoke of. We can be and fulfill the role that Jesus has called us to. But this is only possible, guys and gals. This is only possible if we have the Holy Spirit's discernment. And to have the Holy Spirit's, Holy Spirit's discernment, you have to have the Holy Spirit. How do we have the Holy Spirit? Well, that comes from professing your faith in Jesus Christ. Because if you would try to fight this battle on your own, I'm going to tell you something straight up. You're going to lose. You are going to lose. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, you can have victory. And that comes from confessing your sins before God and accepting that Jesus Christ has paid the price for your sins on the cross of Calvary. He gave His life for you and for me, suffered the full wrath of God, and rose again three days later. 
So ask yourself this question as we begin the new year. Do you want to begin the new year fighting the battle on your own, trying to be a good person? Or do you want to fight, begin the new year with the whole power of the Holy Spirit on your side? Let's stand as we go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, as we come before your throne this morning, we are grateful that we've had this time together. Lord, we thank you for your truth. Lord, just help us to all have the discernment that we need to determine where we are in our walk with you, Lord. Help us to always be uh, aware, be have our guard up, that we know constantly where the influences of the world might creep in. That we might be able to prevent that from happening, Lord, so that nothing could interfere with our walk with you. And it's my prayer, Lord, that if anybody's here today that has never declared you the, you the Lord and Savior of their lives, may this be the day they do so. So they can begin the new year with a new as a new creature and with a new discernment they've never had before. And Lord, we love you and praise you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Tune in next time for another Walk in God's Word. Podcasts are available in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Audible. Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, TuneIn, CastBox, Downcast, and BeyondPod. Search for and subscribe to Providence Baptist Church Space-Space Gaston Sermons. Until next time, may God bless you as we await His joyful return. Hi, this is John Friedrich, pastor of Providence Baptist Church. It's my prayer that our time together has helped you grow in your walk with God, or maybe he's even used it to guide you to discover the wonderful gift of salvation. If you're ever in our area, we would love for you to come worship with us. Our address is Providence Baptist Church, 977 Metafield Road, Gaston, South Carolina, 29053. If you'd like to contact us, you can do so through our website at www.providencembcgaston.com or email us at ProvidenceNBCGaston at gmail.com. Again, thank you for tuning in, and we look forward to you joining us next time as we take a walk in the Word.